so we have a project. We have a project. We call it OM Champion Project. Dans le paquet, il n'est pas si bien en jeu face à Joël Bach et ça va être le but de Bruce Wallet. But de Wallet 1-0 pour l'Olympique de Marseille. Hello and welcome to the Marseille View. So my name's Stefan and tonight I'll be hosting. Um, we're a little bit late getting this episode over, so this was supposed to be our post-match podcast uh, for last week's game against Nice, um, and we're in the, the sort of the end of the international break and just sort of looking ahead to next weekend's fixtures. So we thought we'd take the opportunity to to get another episode in. So what we'll do tonight is we'll cover the Nice game, <laughs> and we'll also cover a recent fixture in the Conference League against. FC Basel uh, and we've got a few other news items to, to look at tonight so um, we'll look at our Conference League draw actually and, um, and our upcoming opponents um, which are Greekside Park. We've got uh, some news items as well that we're going to cover so some sponsorship deals and potential um, future uh, deals for Liga and, and how that will impact OM. So we've got a full house tonight so joining me we've got Ben. How are you Ben? I'm good, yeah. So, um, as Steph said, I, I had COVID last week, which was probably one of the main reasons we didn't record post-game. But on, on the road to recovery, 90% there and happy to be back tonight and joined by the others. Good, good. Uh, good you're back and alive and well. <laughs> oh, so that's a bonus. <laughs> be lost without you. Um, um, we've also got Julian. How are you, Julian? Hi, Steph. Hi, everyone. I'm all right, thanks. Uh, from France uh, and uh, yeah, ready to ready to go. It's been such a long time. I've been in the pod, so looking forward tonight. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, good to have you back as well. Um, not that long since you've been on the pod, at least not like our next speaker. So uh, we've got Mo back on the show, and it's been a very long time since we've we've seen or heard you, Mo. How are you? <laughs> Yeah, no, very well, thanks. Um, I was just checking as I logged on. The last time was January 2021, so the time has really flown by. I thought I'd came on at the beginning of the season. <laughs> clearly not. Yeah, no, that sounds about right. I thought it would it'd been at least a year, so yeah. Um, I think Ben's even narrowed it down to the game. He says it was a Monaco game, so... Oh, it was, probably, because I think yeah. the one-all draw was it last January. I think it was, I think it was, but good to have you back, mate. Yeah, glad to be back. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, so shall we uh, crack on, seeing as we've got so much to talk about tonight? So I'm um, just looking back at the fixture list. So so since we last uh, recorded, I think the, the first game we had was the second leg tie in the uh, Europa League. Uh, so I think we'll probably with FC well, Basel. Con- sorry. Conference League, Steph. Conference, conference League, yeah. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's got a silly name, you know, the Europa Conference. UEFA Europa. UEFA Conference League, isn't it? <laughs> I don't even know the name of the tournament. Oh, God. Right. Anyway, so we were playing FC Basel in the Europa Conference League. Is that right? Uh, you know, and we won 
2-1. So that's us gone through uh, to the to the last eight. Um, so 2-1, courtesy of goals from Milik. Two, oh, sorry, a double from Milik. Uh, no, guys, it wasn't. No, 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 it wasn't. Malik, yeah, it was. No, it wasn't. No, it's Rongier who scored the... the... Oh, so yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, I'm thinking of the first leg. Yeah, I'm thinking of the first leg, aren't I? Yeah. yeah. Rongier oh. not only got a shot on target, but the scores. Yes, oh, yeah, and he was a he was a it was cracking. Inda, it was Inda, wasn't it? Scored in Nigeria. So my yes. my apologies. So I'm looking at the the um the fixture list on Google and I'm looking at the wrong date. So yeah, so we won two one. Sorry, Inda and, and Nigeria. I didn't see this game in my defence. So um, oh, well, I did see that. So I did. So I should know who scored. But um, yeah, it's, guys, not, it's not as bad as when you uh, when you rewatched the first leg of the uh, Carabag game, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I I did see it on here the last time, didn't I? I'm not, I, I'm not gonna lie, like the, I haven't really found myself that like uh, interested to really force myself to watch these games, but I will do as well. Starting, you know, I'm not a fake fan as we're starting to get into the, the later stages of the competition. But guys, tell me briefly, how did the game go against Basel? Was it a a, a good performance for OM or another sort of? dry European night. No, it was it was good. Um look, the context let's let's remind people the context before that was three wins on the bounce after a mini crisis period. Um we'd beaten them two one at home. Uh, they, their goal was offside but was given but you know with the away goal rule gone, two one at home is not a bad score anymore. Uh, we went there with Payet suspended anyway. Um, so Arid had, had already performed well against Brest so he he got his chance again. In the first half, we were okay. We weren't great, but we were okay. Um, that we, we got a penalty, which uh, was was for me very reminiscent of Kamel Mariam when he went on his run at San Siro against Inter. You know, Arid gets a free ball on the counter attack, gets through, gets a penalty, misses it pathetically, um, which which could have soured the evening and could have caused us problems. But we we conceded and then. Uh, managed to equalise and find the winner very late on. So uh, I think Gerson was a standout performer. Genduzi was a good performer. Um, you know, it was just, yeah, the minute OM starts, brought on Ender and started turning on the style and turning on the, the turning up the heat on the Basel defence, they collapsed. But uh, in the first half, for, for, for quite, a, quite a long while, they were, they were the better team. Okay, uh... Mo, uh, Julian, any reflections on that game that you want to share? Um, yeah, I, I, I was a bit concerned by the first half, to be honest. Um, I know that we had the penalty, and uh, had that gone in, the tie probably would have been would have been done and dusted. But I think sometimes, and probably we don't see in the first half so much these days, but it just t- does take a while to get going. Um, you know, when when Basel took the took the lead. I really did think, oh, maybe, you know, this will be an occasion where we'll take it to extra time. Obviously, away goals doesn't matter, but this could be sort of a, a game of attrition. Because, um, yeah, they, they haven't looked convincing in the tie. They haven't looked convincing all season. They're not doing particularly well in Switzerland as, as they once used to um, either. So they're not, they're not the Basel of old. But in in the end, I think the score, score line, the 4-2 in aggregate, was probably a fair score. Our performance in the second half, it was very, very good. One thing I did take away from the game was that um, we've been left wanting in the second half for a long, long time, particularly this year. 
um, where you know the team does its job in the first half and around about the 50 minute mark tends to drop off. But this time uh, did did really um, kick on and and pick up the come from behind victory as well. Uh, like like Ben said, I think Gerson was fantastic. He's been like I think March has been definitely his month in 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 the club so far. It's been a brilliant month for him. He's showing his sort of confidence. You know these little cheeky balls, these stop start passes, these assists. He's been he's been brilliant. Um, and he showed in Basel as well with with his assist for for the goal and the two goal scorers as well. They were very well taken goals, and it's good to see Ronchier. I think he's only he's only scored one of the goal for the club. So. All in all, very, very positive. Um, and yeah, you know, in this tournament particularly, um, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but it's, it's looking good. Yeah, uh, I, I don't have much to add uh, from you guys. Um, yeah, like I'm just, I was just uh, relieved or, or, uh, or glad that, um, that we didn't go to extra time. Because even though we were on top most of the time, you know, it, it it smelled a bit like okay, one of these nights, you know, like that you are clearly better than your opponent, but uh, but you can't, you know, you you can't score your chances, and and then it it comes and bites you in the end, and you regret it. But you know, it didn't go that way, and I was also just super happy for Rongier that he that he scored a beautiful goal, like because it's been a bit of a running gag, like about him not being able to score. So it's not a league goal yet, but still, it was nice. And, uh, you know, all, all in all, it was a decent, pretty nice uh, European evening. Yeah, I mean, the second half was good. I think that the main takeaway is we qualified. But but my main takeaway is that, um, you know, after the mini crisis we were in, supposedly two, just two weeks before that, day for day, uh, even though we went away at Carabag, we then lost our home to Monaco in the league and stuff. And we were on a bad run of, of form, not only results, but we, we were struggling in... in the, the build-up and we were struggling to, to, to be direct and create chances and I, I think that what I really enjoyed the most is that yes, Rongier scored but that we we equalised but we then from a from a corner where we could have quite easily just stayed in the corner and ran the clock down, um, you know, Gerson ten, turns on the style, flicks it to Genduzi, typical Brazilian samba style and then Genduzi finds a brilliant assist and we, we just stayed hungry and went and, and got the win. And uh, and I think that set us up very nicely for the game against Nice, just having that that additional win, last minute winner as well. Rongier scores, everybody's happy. The the, the confidence is is continues to grow. Um, I, I just yeah, I thought it was a good European night. And as as Mo said, let's not get too carried away, but we we have a real shot of of doing something in this tournament, and it sets us up nicely for the Nice game as well. I don't. I don't um, know about you, Ben, but I've already booked my hotel room in Albania. Oh. <laughs> so I, free well, free cancellation. That could be a mistake, because apparently there are rumours that they yeah, may yeah, yeah. they yeah, may yeah. move it to Athens. Well, yeah, but I have to wait until something. <laughs> I hope I hope you've got a a one of those cancelable cancel. It's free cancellation. Oh. For sure. At least but it's you cheap. Never know, it's a very going, small city. So. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, go down the route that Liverpool faced a few years ago. So. Just in case. (laughs) Okay, so I actually I think maybe because I I was thinking we would sort of preview the the Pal game and just have a bit of a sort of uh, look at uh, Conference League prospects. So we might as well do that now actually because I mean the draw I think the draw was made wasn't it the next the the day after. So um so yeah so Marseille we we got uh, Pal Greek side. 
um, in, in the next round. So that's a last eight. So that's quite a good draw, wouldn't you say? I think we, we look at the, the teams that are left in the, the competition and think that that's probably one of the better draws that we could have got. Um, um, yes, yes and no. Um, I mean, if you look at their form, they've been one of... The, well, if you look at them as a club, so they've, they've been one of the... Um, best performers in, in the Greek league in the last three three years. They they I think that they're a club that's famous for, I don't know if you guys would have seen it, I'm sure listeners would have seen it, the incident a few years ago when their their chairman went down on the club the, the, the pitch and brandished a gun in front of the referees and threatened them and there was a huge scandal. Was that not um, Athens? No, I think it's him. I think it's P-O-A-K. I think it's them. So same owner, same energy, but they bounced back and um, I think that it's a good draw in the sense that, yes, we avoided Mourinho's Roma and, and Leicester, um, even though it would have been nice to draw Leicester because a lot of us would have travelled to the game in the UK, I'm sure. But uh, it's a good draw, but at the same time, it's, it's an, an opponent to not be misunder- to, to not be underestimated because they, they, you know, their fans are, are, are quite wild, as they always are in Greece and Turkey. Um, they're going to send probably 3,000, 4,000 Greek madmen to the to Velodrome. We're going to get to send 3,000 people there, hopefully, if all goes to plan. Um, and it's going to be a really hostile environment there. So it's, it's, it's a trick game where it's a tough test against an opponent that has a fiery atmosphere and also has been playing good football. But I agree with you, Steph. It could have been worse when you look at the other teams. I mean, I acknowledge that obviously going to Greece is always a challenge and we didn't do so well the last time we played a Greek team in Europe, did we? So, um, although obviously a better side, uh, Olympiakos were. But yeah, I think, I mean, it's, I, when you get to these sort of stages of a competition, you're never going to get an easy team, or you shouldn't do. Um, but I think, yeah, there's you know, tougher teams in there that we could have drawn. So, um, it's, yeah, I, I think it's probably quite a good, good result for us. Um, yeah. Guys, I'm just interested to hear what what the others think about the draw. Um, well, we know more. You think we're going to the final, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think yeah, it, it's, it's it's definitely the best possible draw. I think, uh, particularly in that half and the way that things have you know gone out. Finals are looking pretty good this season. Slavia Prague, as you know from you know the, you know how they face Arsenal and Rangers recently and. They've gone pretty far in the Europa League um, in the last few years, and they've looked. Um, was it wasn't that Sparta Prague? No, it was Slavia. It was Slavia Prague. Oh, Slavia, okay. Slavia, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they've already played finals as well, so that's going to be a rematch. I think it was um, finals. We've got sort of four points from those, but it was two very closely fought games. Um, but Pauk does not have the recent European experience that Slavia certainly does, and obviously finals, um, you know, coming from a stronger league. Um, and I think in contention for like European places, Champions League places in um, in, in Holland. Um, it's we, from that side of the draw, I think, particularly in the quarterfinal, to have Pauk would be solid. And I think players will step up because it's a quarterfinal. You're going to see high levels of intensity in the same way that we probably saw in 2018 when having sort of dispatched relatively challenging draws in like uh, Braga and, and Bilbao. Um, that we ended up, you know, really stepping up against Leipzig. Um, so I'd like to think that that sort of thing will happen. And in the semi-final, having the second leg at home, I think it would just be a complete madness. It doesn't matter who it would be. Um, and I think while probably you, you know the the glamour tie, quote unquote, in 
in this these rounds will be definitely Leicester and, and PSV and Roma, the latter two obviously being sort of big European classic clubs. It's it's great to not have to face them to the final. So really, if we are who we say we are, and we've got a relatively good record as well, on paper we should be like we should be really not having too much trouble from here on in. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, on um, on paper, uh, yeah, I kind of, I, I mean, I'm more than kind of agree. I totally agree. On paper, it's probably the best possible draw. Um, and as Mo said, like, yeah, if we manage to to like raise the intensity, we'll be fine. I think, like, on the during the home leg, if everything goes according to plan, I'll be uh, I'll be in the velodrome for the for the home leg. I'm I'm thrilled because it's been uh, it's been four four long years now. Last time I was in Marseille, so uh, really looking forward. Um, but yeah, like the only maybe my little doubt is like if things don't go our way or if it's like if it's a boring um, first uh, first leg, etc. Um, you know, I, I I might be a bit uh, the, the, the the doubt I have is that like if if we are kind of like a bit lazy on the first leg, uh, the the second leg there, you know, in a, in a place called I think it's uh, it's called like um, even in Greece it's called like the Hell Pit or something like that. Their their stadium, it's one of the really one of the top three or top five more most hostile uh, ultras in uh, in Europe. We are we are really talking about like um, like I, I I made a bit of research on the on on, on this team and or more on their on their um, ultras and. They are um, they are in a constant fight with the rest of the um, of the Greek league basically because they think that basically they are like the people's club and um, and the the two other big clubs for, for, for from Athens um, are like you know a bit like sell off you know they are like uh, the little dogs of the federation I guess and the little dogs of the of the Greek football mafia they say so they are really 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 hungry people they <laughs> they are uh, so. I don't think they have any special hostility against us, but um, and they have nothing to lose. Like for for them, they they know it's uh, it's of course we were one of the toughest draw, and they're supposedly one of the easy easy draw. So you know they'll have they'll be in this position of absolutely nothing to lose, and and against uh, against a totally wild crowd, you never know how it can go. So you know, but it should it should go away. At least I really hope so. Okay. Um, okay. Right. Well, I think we'll probably move on actually to the league. Uh, um, and I think we've probably covered quite a bit about the Conference League now. So, the, yeah. The, so the main item of the show is supposed to be the the Derby game with Nice. So, um, this is quite a probably. I think for me, probably I will sort of well the potential to be a sort of defining game of the season as we went into it because we're sitting joint second with Nice um, so yeah so you can really see like how important this match was and I think our form being so kind of patchy in the league in the last couple of months as well sort of creates a bit of uncertainty about how we were going to perform and, and also if you consider the fact that Nice battered us 4-1 not that long ago um, but yeah and so nonetheless so I think we had sort of mixed expectations but we went into this game and we've actually come away with a very very good result and and that we've managed to pull off a, a 2-1 victory um you know I, I just say like you know from my own um, perspective on this match at the time when I watched it 
I was quite critical actually, and I thought that oh, I, I, the impression that I had from the game was that OM had um, done what they had to do in a very tough match, but were a little bit underwhelming in parts. I wasn't like massively blown away by, by them, particularly in the first half. But I actually watched the game again, and I felt, and this is really, really interesting because I watched the game originally on BT, and then I watched the again on um, on OM Prime obviously with different commentators uh, uh, clearly with uh, a different uh, view on Marseille um, but yeah which obviously influences how you how, how you feel about a match sadly um, but yeah when I watched the game again I actually was pretty impressed with Marseille I felt that they were pretty solid um, and you know in control and we're playing like a home team that we're a set although it's not beautiful attacking football they're not they're not bamboozling you know their opponents I actually thought we were quite hard to criticise particularly in the first half you know so I was actually although like the second half was a bit shaky um, I was actually on the replay very impressed with Marseille I thought they looked like a really strong unit in this game I don't know what what, what did you guys feel about the match and I'll maybe start with someone different uh, Julian we'll start with you this time about Nice about the Nice game um, I think our um, her, her first half was uh, really pretty convincing um, I got a bit I got a bit um uh, how would I say disappointed or and frustrated by by by, by most of our second half though personally? Um, it's just that I thought we were uh, we were a bit like you know playing with fire or something like that. Like by of course it's also because Nice Nice was almost non-existent in the first half and they got much simply they simply got better in the second and and that that's fair enough. But um I don't know I thought like we were too much in control in the sense of like. Uh, not trying enough when we had chances to to go forward, we would then like you know n- most of the time not really dare to go, and then come back and in the end like not lose do everything so that we you know the the same old problem a bit we've seen like n- really keeping possession okay but sometimes uh, uh, we just like missed some op- opportunities and uh, in a way we got a bit lucky that the almost the one time of, of of the second half when we actually did play forward and and took a bit of risk you know it's this bit a- average pass uh, on the on the side and na na but Gerson plays it again and tack the player puts it back and hop and then in the end there's this um, this great goal from Bakambu and this uh, i think it's Gerson for the for the assist and so you thought yeah okay great you know like this but we should have maybe tried to do that a bit more like uh, um, in a way I thought we were a bit lucky in a way to get a win in this game almost like we've seen better games we sometimes have had better games and we didn't have the three points and this time it went our way so yeah but you know good performance against a good team oh uh, yeah um I yeah I think pretty much like you I it was a solid result but I wasn't convinced in some areas particularly in the second half as we searched I felt there was a little bit of signs of me sort of coming back into the game as 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 we've again seen in recent matches there you know there's always that love between the start of the second half and about the hour mark where we just allow opponents to come 
back into the game. I think that's where we saw, um, you know, Nice start to get a bit of confidence because I think in the first half, we kept them really at arm's length apart from one or two moments. And I think we got just dessert by scoring that penalty just before the half-time whistle. Um, but yeah, it, it it didn't look convincing. Again, we had to sort of work hard to 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 come back. You know, I think Nice should have had a penalty as well. We were very fortunate that that wasn't given considering that a very contentious penalty came our way as well. But really, I think what hasn't happened and what we saw in Basel as well is stepping up and closing games out towards the end of the game. And that hasn't happened. You know, we, we on, on paper, we're not a bad team. Our results actually aren't that bad as well. But we have seen a trend of unconvincing performances, particularly in the games where we haven't been able to win. And you can really pinpoint why the team hasn't won because they haven't kept the same rhythm and intensity. Yes, it might be fatigue. Yes, it might be the games are coming thick and fast. And then we've got some sort of changeover. Um, you know, when Milik starts, he doesn't start. You've got Undo's not really also the, the bona fide starter that he used to be. Pai is in and out as well. Um, but it's been really good, I think, to see Bakambu's goal because that's what we've been crying out for uh, as well. So, you know, really good options off the bench. Players can come in and make a difference. Bakambu is that player. I think it's been really solid since he started. So for that goal to come in um, at a time when Nice really could have sort of equalised was really positive. And obviously they did get the goal in the 92nd minute, um, which was just, I think, switching off. But better to switch off at 2-0 with 30 seconds to go than at 1-0 with 30 seconds to go, right? Um, so, yeah, I think it's a marker for sure. Um, because, you know, it's a direct competitor and we've sort of, we've, we've got four points of Nice this season in the league, um, should we say, um, four points to nothing, obviously, because they had one taken off the point that they eventually won um, in, in the majority of the season. Um, but I can't get too happy about it because, yeah, it's it wasn't a swashbuckling convincing display that would have been really, really good. Um but also, like, Ren are looking absolutely fantastic at the moment. And really, the chasing pack are really bunched up. Like, even Strasbourg, even Lille are really back in, back in it, I suppose. I think, um, you know, you can't really rest on your laurels. Um, so we have to see, you know, we have to, after the international break, really continue to do what's best for us and um, not, not really lose. I mean, you know, we are a team. In the last uh, sort of 25 games, we've won 17, which is a really, really good percentage. Uh, drawn three and lost five as well, but sometimes we don't really. I don't really see it myself. Um, we just need to have that swagger about us, which we saw against Angers. Um, but you know, above all, three points, very very good, um, good way to end the month before the international break. Um, and yeah, it will hopefully it will come in really really handy. Okay, and Ben, have you got any thoughts you want to share on on the match? Um, look, the guys have summed it up perfectly, but I think you you summed it up really well when you when you introed it, which was you know we've been on an erratic run of form in the league. If if you'd have asked us, any of us after the the, the Monaco game two weeks prior at home, you know our home form's been pretty abysmal. How do you see the game against Nice? I would have said exactly the same, and I would have predicted the same outcome. I think it was it was one of those games which was. Um, you know, we've been on good form, four wins on the bounce, even though two of those were European games. But it's also, it was more a game that we couldn't afford to lose more than a game that we had to win, in my view. 
And uh, not only did we win, but we 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 won convincingly. And um, and Lille predictably, you know, their game plan was exactly as Monaco said deep. Um, but but I think we were a, a, our approach was much better than against Monaco. It didn't look like we were playing a game of chess and just passing passing around aimlessly. We were very direct. You know, I think in the first 20 minutes, I, I don't think they touched the ball. We, we were playing the control style, but playing it actually well. Um, we probably had over 80% possession for 20 minutes. The main question on everybody's lips was, are we going to make this count? Are we going to, are we going to, you know, find, find the breach and score this goal to capitalise on, on our dominance? And we did. We got a penalty, which was well-deserved. Um, you know, Milik buried it. There can't be any complaints, really. Um, and then, as as Mo said, a bit of worries, a bit of a bit of nerves, because we all know that we're we're fast asleep at the at the start of second halves of games. Nice, uh, you know, started coming back into the game predictably, which was their game plan all along anyway. Which was, you know, try and frustrate Marseille and then give it a go for 15, 20 minutes to see what happens. Uh, they had a disallowed goal, which uh, I was screaming in the bar because it came from a very lazy Payet back pass. Um, I think my main observation was that, and, and my main takeaway is that we played better without Payet. And we saw that in the three games prior, prior to, the, to, to the Nice game. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying Arit is, is all of that. I'm just thinking that the collective and the, the fact that Payet wasn't there is, we needed people like Gerson and, and, and Gendouzi and Arit and Bakambu and Milik to step up, and they all did during that period. And, uh, you know, my main my main frustration in the second half was Payet was a dead weight. He was dead weight on the left wing, and all of the danger was coming down their, their right side because he was just knackered. Um, and, and the fact is that he should have been subbed off, but he got subbed off eventually. It was decisive. We got that all-important second goal from a very nicely built counter-attack. Um, as, as Mo said earlier, Gerson's working on water at the minute. He's, he's been a standout Olympia of the month for me in March. So, you know, we, we, we saw the game out a bit nervously, but we saw the game out against a rival. And actually, when you reflect, they didn't really threaten and... It's just a real shame. My, my main sentiment was obviously happiness and satisfaction and elation with beaten Nice after after they scored us a few weeks earlier in the French Cup. But it, it's also, you know, if you take a bit of a step back and reflect a bit, you go, Jesus, like they play sort of Mourinho-style anti-football, which grinds out results and it's Galtier's approach and it served them well. But, you know, you'd like to think if we were better, our home form was better this season and we were, we were, we were, not as inconsistent over over key parts of the season against weak teams, we should be ten points clear of these guys. You know, we are the better team. We we play the better football. Um, so let's just hope that we build and capitalise on on this big moral boost and these five this five wins in a row si uh, series that we have going, and we kick on from here. But you know, we we put in a good performance and we we stepped up to the plate and we outperformed the rival and beat them. And that's the main takeaway from this game. Brilliant. Um, I'll just say shock, horror, another episode. Ben found a reason to bash Payet. Ah, well... It's, <laughs> I'm just joking. It, 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 uh, no, but it's true. It's true. I, I will, I'll, I'll admit to it. He's, uh, he's, he's, my, he's, he's to me what Bunasar was to you. I'm, um, 
Anyway, uh, player, I think I just think that we've realised now we can play without him and we can play well without him. I'd like I'd much rather until he rediscovers form that we bench him and bring him on as a super sub rather than than leave him on for too long as we did against Nice and risk it costing us. Of course. Um, okay, so uh, I think what we'll do then was we'll just because uh, we've got a lot to cover tonight. So I thought maybe we just still do tops and flops, but just really, really quickly. Um, so. Uh, maybe I'll go first, so I'll just quickly pick out um, the obvious, which was uh, in terms of tops, which was Gerson. I thought he was excellent in that game. Pro- for me, probably the best game he's played for us this season. Um, yeah, I think I would say that. Uh, I, I I just thought he was ev- everything he did was, you know, he pulled off really well. Every pass, every flick. Um, he's just playing with so much confidence um, and I know you talked about him earlier on Mo in the, the Basel game in a, in, a, in a similar light but I didn't see that game but in this game I thought he was superb and it, it looked every bit every bit worth the, the money we paid for him um, and I actually surprisingly maybe for everyone as well as I say Lopez I thought was pretty great as well not just because of this you know, the couple of saves, like the Delore one, but just also his passing, you know, you could quite... Can I just give you the stats? Do you want to hear the stat? The stat, 96% pass completion rate. From the goalkeeper, yeah, yep. that's great. Yeah, so his his, his long pass and stuff, uh, it just pass in general. I was I was very impressed with in this game, so I, I give him a shout too. And then in terms of flops, uh, as I said, you know, when I watched the game again, I actually thought the team was a it was a really good sort of strong performance so I don't really feel like anyone was poor uh, maybe Under was a bit meh I, I yeah I think I'll pick Under I, I find Under quite frustrating lately actually I, I, I found that the, uh, in the last sort of couple of months like I'm watching a lot of games and he's just too predictable and he's often making the wrong choices you know so he's he's not passing when he should pass and or passing or making that decision to pass too late and I'm seeing him lose the ball more and more or just um you know fail failing to capitalize on um good attacking opportunities because of his sort of one dimensionalism um, which I always said about him right from when we signed him, but he was in good form for the first half of the season. I and mean, I think now we're actually starting to see the limitations of that he has as a player. Um, so, yeah, I'd say him. He was probably the sort of player that impressed me the least in this game. Anyone else want to go? Who wants to go next? Ben, do you want to go? Uh, yeah, quickly, I agree with your tops. Jason, Paulo Lopez. Um, I thought that Saliba was, was really good too. Uh, and Genduzi, and then flops. Uh, yeah, I think. Well, just without bashing him, I think Payet. Uh, you know, in the first half, he was quite lively. He was getting into good positions. Um, I, I'll put him in a flop because he he had two pretty good chances, and he didn't miss by much. But you know, the first the first one, he he sort of his first touch was poor. He set himself up for a shot, and then just just over the bar. And then the second time, he tried to take it first time and miss but you know he, he's Dimitri Payet if he if he starts these games after you know I think I was of the opinion like good he's, he's, he was injured the week before against Brest and he was suspended in the European Cup he got a bit of a breather I was like I was expecting more from him after having a breather but that's it okay uh, Julian? yeah I, I can go uh very briefly too um the top's the same the new guys basically like uh, Garçon um Paul Lopez, Saliba, uh, yeah, 
definitely. The flops also the same. Uh, I, I have nothing to add. I think uh, Harit also didn't uh, make a very good uh, entrance, if I uh, if I remember well. I think he was off tempo and uh, uh, kept the ball uh, in his feet for too long when he was and made the wrong choices and extra. I, I, I think I was quite frustrated by him. If I, if, if but there starts to be a, a bit of time already for the game, so I hope I'm not uh, bashing the guy uh, uselessly, but. As much as I remember, it was that. Yeah, also under was a bit. Uh, yeah, it's the same. The wrong choices and etc. Um, yeah, that's about it, really. Okay, Mo, what were you? Um, no, no, no disagreement. Um, I agree with the choices that have been made. Uh, definitely, Jason is, like I said, has been been brilliant and again a very short performance. In terms of flops, yeah, I mean, it's hard to really call out any, you know, anyone really as a flop, but there were some slightly underwhelming performances, such as like the input, impact of Chengi Sunde, who I, who I quite like a lot, but don't think offered as much as he, we know he can in this game. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, right, so I think we'll move on, because like, uh, as I said, we've got a few news items to hopefully cover if we get enough time so we'll start off probably with the cbc deal so i think this is probably the biggest news so um this is regarding and i believe this is just now a done deal so this is regarding uh the league league made a deal with um this sort of equity firm cbc who you might be familiar with in spanish if you follow spanish football um, and this is regarding the broadcasting rights for the league um and i think this deal is worth uh, is it, was it 1.5 billion um and it's so we understand it this, this i mean this looks like a good deal on paper for clubs like marcy so they're going to been told that om will pocket uh, 90 million euros from this deal and that's to be those payments have to be spread out over the first three years though I understand so I think initially we thought we were going to get 90 million to spend um in the first season but no it's going to be 40 percent I believe initially and then the remaining uh two years there'll be um What's my math? What is that 25 percent well we'll just split over two installments um so yeah so as I said on paper, this looks like a solid deal, but uh, I don't know how, how you know what the general reaction to this is. I I've got reservations personally, just because um, well there was a lot of uh, controversy about this uh, CVC deal in Spain and like how it would uh, affect the club's long term, and I just sort of wonder how you know how people are people looking at that. Uh, right now, are we just sort of too blinded by the the immediate cash injection that we're going to get? But yeah, what's the what? What really is the the view on on this new TV deal? Uh, I'm going to hand it over to Mo. Do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. Um, I think it's an interesting one. I think first of all, the context is obviously that the league and the clubs need money um, while there is a plaster um, attached um, because obviously, the, you know, for the funds that have been brought in because of the COVID pandemic and the media pro fiasco, two really, really big sort of earthquakes that happened really at the same time. Um, 
the league has to make sort of creative solutions. And I think money from uh, private equity is, is is an interesting one. I think we're seeing that in not just other football leagues, but also other sports, um, like the current CVC, but definitely there's been a stake being bought in Rugby Six Nations, for example. So you've got to um, look for creative sources. And it's true, obviously, CVC are in it for the money. Um, but from the words that we've seen from the president of the LFP, Vincent Lebrun, he he's basically said, like, we're, we're going all in because there is a sort of new European model coming through the Champions League, um, new new spaces, you know, from 2024. And I think it will be um, finalised actually today or tomorrow um, at, at the sort of the ECA, European Club Association, in that the Swiss model Champions League format is going to be um, approved. So that means Ligue 1 will have, you know, at least three direct spots, at least four, obviously, uh, sorry, sometimes four, depending on the one in the Europa League. So it's possible to have four clubs and that could open the door for sort of the pretenders to, to you know, get the money in so that they can become Champions League regulars and have more teams in Europe. But also, as we've seen up until the last 16, maybe um, in in European competition this year, so just a few weeks ago, French clubs have actually done pretty well. So um, it's really trying to continue that and trying to maybe dislodge, um, you know, Germany or Italy, whoever's, I think, directly above as, as you know, the fourth place European league. Because if you do get that, um, you're really laughing. You've really got four direct spots. You've got cash injections, uh, regular cash injections for, you know, good fit of the league. Um, and trying to make Ligue 1 um, attractive, more attractive as it is, it's, it's a gamble. And I think it's it's just as big a gamble as, as Media Pro. Um, it's not quite pie in the sky as, as Media Pro was, but you're really, you know, signing away 10% of essentially future TV rights, aren't you? Um, for money that will come in between now and 2024, because obviously we'll be packaging different installments. But that money will be sort of spent you know, if there is a high TV deal in 2024 and the current deal ends, um, 10% of that will automatically go to CVC partners and that will go for a longer period than how much you've received. But it depends. What will the clubs do with that money? The clubs have long said, look, we are smart. We're relying on youth. We have good infrastructure. We just don't have the money to capitalise on it. And they were going to use Media Pro to sort of put the money where their mouth was. Media Pro didn't... Um, essentially you know fell apart so this private equity money it's it's not a lot given the way that football works these days i mean i think 90 million has been touted for for him for example which you're probably going to receive 20 this year and 30 next year then however meant the year after um but it's still something it's still akin to two or three seasons of european competition of where you go to like the the quarterfinal or something like that or, or champions league qualification so it is worth it. Um, you just have to have the right people and you have to be smart about how you use it. And definitely on that point, I think the jury's still out. Okay, anyone else got anything they want to add to that? It was a really like comprehensive summary. Thanks for that I'll, one. I'll, yeah, I'll be very brief because uh, it, it was great to have Mo's, um, Mo's uh, view and uh, and uh, intake on that because like basically myself, I know I know almost nothing on that deal my and you know i didn't look forward into it or anything and my my basic gut feeling is like nah seems fishy we're gonna get a 
it's gonna bite us in the ass at some point later. I don't, but I don't know why. But I don't know. I'm, I'm just. I was so shocked by the whole media pro stuff. I was, I was so, you know, it was so. When I realized like this sort of like abysmal mistake they made, like even the, the Italian, uh, calcio, were like, no, sorry guys, we don't have enough, uh, enough. Uh, you know, you guys are too are too dodgy, and you know we we won't make the deal. And the French and the French league went like, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, let's go for it. And you know, we know how it ended. So I, I guess that that is very likely a very different deal or anything. I don't know the details, but I don't trust these guys. I I must say I don't trust uh, La Brune. I don't trust uh, the French um, the French uh, like how do you call this college of. Uh, of, club presidents. Uh, yeah, of club presidents. I don't, I, I don't trust them. So you know, wait and see. I, I, am I'm, I'm pretty. I, I'm, I really hope I'm wrong because, um, because you know, that would be fine. That would mean that it's like okay money and good money for 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 the league and for Paris also, uh, and for smaller teams and everything. And yeah, so far I'm very suspicious, but uh, I don't know the details. So yeah. That's it for me. <laughs> I mean, I mean yeah. Mo summed it up perfectly, and you know, it's, it's nice having you back, Mo, because usually I I have to go into these explanations, <laughs> um, but you do it so much better because you're 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 a journalist and you know the facts and the cold hard facts and you know the context as well. So, yeah, you're right. Um, it's nothing more than making up for the shortfall from the media pro scandal. I will, you know, I I won't say tip my hat but you know LFP needed to do something for the clubs to prop them up financially but after that loss um, of the media pro scandal whether we like it or not they tried going down the the, the, the route with media pro overhyping the tv rights it, it flops epically and catastrophically this was the only other avenue open to them and, and they saw Spain go down it and they knew that this was it so again um, it's good because in the grand scheme of things, they're not getting a lot of percentage for the amount of money they're putting in. So that's 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 the only saving grace, I would say. Um, it's a cash injection for clubs in, in, in the short term, which will make up for the shortfall. But it's basically status quo as if the media pro um, TV rights deal had gone, gone ahead without a snag. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it's... You know, for OM, it's good, um, you know, in the position if Longoria stays and and things don't change, we, we don't vote OM, doesn't happen, which won't happen anyway. But if things stay the way they are in the, in the foreseeable, then I trust him to manage the money well, whether it's debt repayment or whether it's it's a bit of an outlay on the transfer markets for Saliba, for example, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Look, something needed to be done to safeguard OM not necessarily, but clubs like Saint-Étienne, like Angers, like Reims, that regardless of what we think about them, they produce young talent, and Reims is a pretty well-managed club. Um, Brest is, is pretty decent too. They've, they've started, both clubs have started getting into that sort of realm of uh, developing young players and trying to sell them on to the Premier League for, for 30, 40 million. So Etiquette, for example, at Haas is, is, was, was linked with Newcastle in, in January. So if it helps those clubs that are managed well, good. But it's it's also a, a massive get-out-of-jail-free card for 
clubs that have had really poor seasons, such as Monaco and Lyon, because it means that they don't need to to have fire sales, right? I, sorry, I'll just quickly jump in there. Um, what I will also say is, while I agree with Julian, is that you, you, everyone's got a right to be suspicious only because the same people have, you know, were involved roughly. Um, obviously, two well, years not, not really though, because Didier Kiyob was the LFP president. Yeah, and, it's true, it's true. Been, but like in terms of they've all been they've left in disgrace yeah, since. Yeah, right? yeah, not the not the not the league sort of not the the chief exec etc. But definitely the people that rubber stamp the deal, the presidents etc. You know, the 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 day job, the people at the LFP is still the same, right? Obviously, there has been a fall guy, but um, private equity, I think money for private equity is, is definitely the thing in vogue at the moment because of the pandemic. Um, you know, Six Nations, like I said, New Zealand's rugby team, the All Blacks, famous All Blacks, sold their rights, 8% of their rights to to one of the private equity companies, uh, the, one of the rivals of CVC. And essentially, the, the thing is, is that the only good thing as well is that say something did happen to French football, like the teams became really, really shit, the stars had left, they couldn't get the stars for whatever reason, or the Super League kicked off, um, you know, in a few years. It's CBC's money at the end of the day, you know, they've they've paid up for, what, 10% of the, of the future company. If the future company is worth absolute nothing, then 13% of not, 10% of nothing is is nothing, right? Um, so I think what they will do is that they will utilize their network of talent and their network of, you know, steely execs and and the best of the best to safeguard and develop the TV rights because it's on it's their interest that the teams are strong, the league is super strong, and these TV rights are worth a billion, one point five billion, and can rival the Bundesliga, La Liga, and Syria in in a few short years because obviously that's where the money will come from and if in five years league is worth double is what, what is today and the club's values are double what it's worth today and they still get 10 percent of that from today we can't really say that that's daylight robbery is it because I mean, that would be really good yeah um, do we sorry um, yeah. do we do we know the details of this deal though because uh the i i don't i haven't seen that much about it but I do know about what because the stuff about the La Liga deal was all over the news and it was pretty shocking like if it's anything like that deal then this isn't a good deal probably no, it, was pretty, it, was, it was it was shocking in La Liga only because Real Madrid and Barcelona were absolutely against it no no no, no no but it's not that it's the fact that the uh, there's and, the, and they they were annoyed there wasn't just them there was a couple other clubs but they were annoyed because they they, they they felt undervalued but there's aspects of the deal that are quite worrying so the fact that the money that 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 was given to clubs as a loan, so they had to they had to repay it over a certain number of years, and that the money that they were given as well, they have to spend it in a particular way in the La Liga deal. So, for example, like um, a certain percentage has got to be spent on refinancing the debt. Um, and so there's there's lots of stipulations like that. So you're, was, you're right, Steph. Yeah, you're right. But it, but it's different in Liga in the sense that. Because the LFP, as usual in France, we already know this with the DNCG, for example, the structure is very different, right? So La Liga is a commercial entity in Spain that the clubs all sign up to, a bit like the Premier League. In France, it's different. The LFP is the overarching governing body. It's like a different status. So um, from what I've gathered, I don't know the fine print either, but, but from what I've gathered, 
they get a seat at the table at the LFP in terms of commercial decisions. And frankly, after the Media Pro scandal, that's not a fucking bad thing. Yeah, yeah that, maybe, that's maybe fair someone, enough. Man. Maybe someone with a minimum of commercial acumen from, from CCV will sit at the next TV rights negotiation and go, guys, are you fucking stupid? No. Yeah. So it, it's a di- it's different in terms of its status stuff, just to, to clarify your points. But you're right to raise those concerns, but it doesn't work the same in, in France as it does in, in Spain particularly from a legal standpoint. Mm, okay. Um, right, well, shall we move on then? There's a few items, anyway, just sort of news things to cover. We've got about 10 minutes left. So uh, on the subject of investments, we've got a new sponsor being announced. So um, from, next, well, from next season uh, onwards, uh, we've Got a multi, well, we've signed a multi-season deal with Kazoo to be our main shirt sponsor. So Kazoo, you might be familiar with if you watch English football. I guess they sponsor Everton, don't they? And someone else. There's another team. Um, yeah, so it's a car company, isn't it? So they're sponsoring us. Um, that we don't, I don't know for how many seasons it is exactly, but it's taken over from Uber Eats, and we think. Uh, you say, we think it's about double the value of the Uber Eats contract. Uh, any quickly, good news uh, apart from the financial element, but the visual element of <laughs> the, the aesthetic yeah. impact of the sponsor on the shot. That, that was all I was going to add, Steph. Yes, you've, you've taken the words out of my mouth. Fuck, fuck Uber Eats is off our shirt. Apparently, Kazoo have, have agreed. Uh, this is this is just hearsay right now, but they've agreed to to follow the colour scheme as long as their logo and and whatever's there. So that's a good thing in itself. No orange, please. Oh, no, no, well, no, but it, well, it, apparently they've agreed to follow this colour scheme, which which says it all really. But look, we're getting rid of Uber Eats. Uber Eats, obviously, when they took OM, they they had their sights set on Ligue 1, which they do anyway. They've got Ligue 1 naming rights for the next two years at least, I believe. It's nice to to get rid of Uber Eats. It's nice to double our sponsorship income for the, for the shirt um, because it was 11 million, I believe, a season from Uber Eats and it's close to 19.20 from Kazoo. Look, good, great. Bring on the extra income. Bring on the, the better looking sponsor on, on, on the jersey. I'm all for it. And let's see how long it is. Multi-season could mean three years. It could mean seven. Who fucking knows? But... I'm just glad to be rid of Uber Eats and to get my money. Yeah, I think that is going to be the feeling of most fans. Um, although I wasn't such a hater on the sponsor as everyone else, so you, although I admit it did look stupid or sound stupid more so. Um, I think what I'll do is just ask you all a different question then, just because we're running out of time. So the other news item was about the... Um, oh, it was about Bubakar Kamara. So um, obviously his contract's expiring in the summer and uh, we've sort of seen news stories recently that he that the club had tried to renew him and that he's rejected our proposals and it looks like it's a certainty now that he's going to be moving on. Um, I think a lot of strong interest from, I think Atletico Madrid is one of the clubs that have popped up recently and uh, an Italian club, is it? Roma, I think. Um, so yeah, so uh, it looks like he's he he's probably 
almost definitely on his way out. Uh, Julian, I'll ask you, uh, what are your thoughts on the Kamara situation? I, th- I know we've talked about it before. Uh, feeling any different? Because he's been playing pretty damn good lately, I, th- I feel. So it feels a bit more of a blow from my end. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's uh, if we lose him, I, I, I don't know. I still have uh, this... Um, apparently, he's still like... He's still contemplating eventually something from 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 the rumors, like. But I guess it's a, you know it's like a ninety percent go and ten percent stay kind of case, you know. You never know if he keeps on, you know, like not deciding himself. And let's let's imagine uh, the end of our season is absolutely brilliant, and you know he's he's taken by the. Everyone is like, yeah, okay, and we end up second, and we go, and you know, like, uh, and you know, but I, I really hope so. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit, um, I'm, a, I, I think we're gonna lose him. Um, you know, if it's, if it goes that way, if, if Buba leaves us, I, I really have no, nothing against him. It's, it's happening a lot at the moment, like the, the COVID, the COVID also, and, and the new, and now with the war going on and etc. Like, it has. It has changed the economy of football, and I think we're going to see more and more of that. Like more players who will use the the, the potential to to go away uh, at the end of their contract, so that they can sign better better deals in other places. And you know, it's I can't really blame the guy. Like he's done he, he he's done all he could on on the pitch for us. He signed a new deal like a few years ago. Sure, I would like him to stay, but um. But for me, I'm 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 forever grateful of uh, of Buba and and I really don't understand people who are um, I understand that you're disappointed, but but I don't know. Just let let this kid uh, this go, go away if he wants to go away. He's he's been one of our best players for the last year, so full respect to Buba personally. Well, you make you make a good point that uh, you know there's a lot you've seen a lot of this happening right now in football um, top. You know, important players and clubs leaving. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not responsible of that. Also, he's, he's, he's just. I think he's just also playing with the flow, like everyone else is trying to. I, I, I think f- five years ago he might have made another another choice, but but now he has to think also about himself. He has to think about his family and etc. And and of course they go first. You know. Yeah. Well, you you win some, you lose some, eh? So I mean, Kamara goes in the summer, and you know maybe we sign Dybala or something. <laughs> Yeah. Please, um, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So, um, on a serious note, uh, next one. Ah, I'm, I, this is a good one for you, Mo, because I know you're a bit of an Arsenal fan. So it was about William Saliba. So, a uh, couple of things just to ask about him. So, one of them is about. Well, obviously, he had his national team, his first uh, national team call up uh, last in the last week, and has made his debut. So his profile sort of soaring, no doubt. Um, but but yeah, we've seen some him talking to the press about his future and whether or not he'll be returning to Arsenal. Um, he certainly is suggesting, as he has done throughout the season, that he feels good at OM and that he'd like to stay there if it was possible. Uh, what do you think is going to happen with Saliba? Oh, it's a tough one. I don't exactly know what's going to happen, but what should happen is that he should definitely stay. Um, I think in Longoria's last statement, he said that we'll sit down at the end of the season, we'll sit down with a player, we'll sit down with Arsenal and we'll see what can be done. Um Arsenal are keen on him. Well, the fans are anyway. Obviously, they're raving that 
he's got into the national team and I think as of Monday night when we're recording he's going to apparently start against in, in the friendly against South Africa um, which again is just really really good for him he's been fantastic for us all season he he only just turned 21 last week so it you know found, what, what a player to have I would love for him to stay another year and I think it's in Arsenal's interest as well because the defence that they've got um, looks stable at the moment and I don't think Saliba is going to transition from a 50-game season with potential Champions League qualification, with potential European sort of trophy even, if we get that far, um, to being, you know, next sitting next to Rob Holding on the Arsenal bench next season. Um, and that will make him lose a lot of value as well. So if they're not going to sell him this year and they want to retain him, the best place for him to be is at Marseille. And I think he started to realise that for the first time, probably since Lemus and Etienne, which is what, nearly three years ago now, that he's at a club that loves him, that he loves, that he's performing at a really high level. And it's, he's under the watchful eye of Didier Deschamps as well. Um, I really think if he's to continue this year and Marseille do end up finishing the season strongly, that he could be an outside chance for the World Cup. Definitely on the reserves. I would expect him to be minimum on the reserves list. Um, but he should stay. That's it. Yeah, good answer, Mo. And uh, Ben, how come you never say that? I'm gonna talk TV. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got uh, I've got to think about my uh, my my aspiring podcasting career stuff. You know. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so good. But actually, we're, we're recording Thursday. Uh, shout out to Tom. I think Thursday night we're we're gonna do a review of Sally Bad. But but it's interesting because it's not gonna be just about OM. It's gonna be about his friends' performances as well. Um, look, we, I, I've said a million times on this topic, look, yes, Mo's right. Ideally, if we're lucky, we keep him on loan another year. It's in Arsenal's interest. He's got two years left on his deal, I believe. Uh, if they're smart, they extend him and they loan him back out. If that's part of the deal, maybe we cover a bigger percentage of his wages next season, whatever, we'll see. But quite frankly, even with the injection of cash from CCV and potentially if we qualify for Champions League, maybe we can bid with him for him. Um, if, I, if I'm a gambling man, and I've said this on, on, on the Guna Talk show with Tom before, I, I just can't see a world where Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Barcelona, those clubs are not looking at this kid and thinking, fucking hell, you know, if, if Arsenal don't manage to extend him because he, he for whatever reason, feels dupes and never got his chance there and, and wants to leave, you know, if he's available for 35, 40 million and OM are in the mix and we're competing against these clubs, you know, you'd like to think, as as we as he said, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I love the atmosphere at Marseille and I feel really part of the club and part of the city and all of that. If those clubs come in for him, you know, he, he's for me, he's Varane 2.0. He's even got the potential to be better than Varane was. Um, you know, if Real Madrid come in for Saliba and he's got the choice between Marseille and Madrid, it's a no-brainer, let's be frank. So, you okay. know, optimistically, if we could keep him another year, it's on loan. But if, if we enter a bidding war to sign him permanently, I don't see a standing a chance. I mean, I do love the guy, but I I think, like, the Varane thing's a bit much. Like, 19 Varane was just, like, bossing it at Real Madrid, you know, like you say that, you know. Seth, but, but you know, now I, I wouldn't say he's been exposed, but you know, all of the years when they run won those trebles and won those Champions Leagues, Sergio Ramos was propping him up massively. 
and he had Casemiro and he had you know Calvert-Lewin and stuff next yeah, to him. Yeah, but Sa- Saliba's got. Look at him this year. Look at Varane in the Premier League. He's been so stout. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think we're, we're talking just potential, right? I think Saliba has the potential to be at least as good as Varane if he makes the right choices and works hard. Okay, uh, I think we'll just call it a night then. So we're just at, after the hour mark and we've covered lots tonight. Um, it's been a really good discussion actually. So uh, I wasn't, I, I was having doubts about podcasting, thinking we wouldn't have enough really to talk about. Being so long since the the games were played, but I think we we certainly had plenty to talk about in the end. So yeah, good to get. Yeah, we were super efficient. It's just because <laughs> yeah, we yeah. didn't have a. Enough of uh, Ben's rant, and you guys only <laughs> argued for like 10 seconds. So that's that was that's no, it's, short. It, it's but, always great when, much. When, when Steph, but when apart Steph from that, he was good. <laughs> but no, but when Steph hosts, Steph's got the the, the guile and the and experience of a, of a composer running a concerto. He knows he's, he, he does it. He moves. Steph yeah. moves us on. He cuts me off at the right time. He moves us all along. <laughs> Look, he's, he's got it it's, funny, it's funny you say that because at the start I was feeling that my um, Basil somebody was a bit Jonathan Pierce-esque, you know, like sort of clearly showing I hadn't watched the game. Never, never put yourself down to that level, mate. Never. <laughs> right, so we'll call it a night then. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, thanks everyone for taking part. Good to have you back, Mo especially as well. And, and hopefully we don't have to wait another year <laughs> to hear you again on the show. Um, but yeah, yeah but we've already we've already settled it. If uh, if we go to Tirana or wherever the final is, Mo and I will be there. <laughs> we'll, do a live, we'll do a live podcast. Yeah, uh, exactly. Mo, Mo and I will do one from there. <laughs> Cheers. All right. Good night. Good night. <laughs>